Okay, I'm already preaching my sermon, just you know, so you know. Truth without tension will never change you. So if we just give the world a message of love and happiness and we all just dance around and enjoy ourselves and have wonderful times in the Lord and we don't ever deal with something known as sin and we don't ever deal with how we need to have our life transformed by God and how that... The Bible says that the outward man perishes, but the inner man is renewed day by day. And how is that inner man renewed? It's renewed by the infilling of the Holy Spirit, speaking with tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance. And so the experience that takes place in this place today is more important than the entertainment that takes place in here today. Amen? So what we're after is not just something where you come and you enjoy how well the preaching is done. And I, I may be able to polish it and throw it out with all kinds of flowers and beautiful fragrances and lovely stories and make your heart be moved and your eyes water and you think and leave here going, wow, what a wonderful sermon and not be changed other than move your emotions. Amen. But what I want to have happen today is I want to be so moved by God and so much in sync and in tune with God that when I step here, I'm not worried about being so polished as I'm concerned about this church being a transformational church. So that when you come here, you don't leave the same way you showed up. Is that all right? Can I start preaching today? I, I, I know they're going to adjust my volume if I get excited, but I want you to know that God burdened me with this message that he wanted me to impress upon all of our hearts today, and that is he told me in prayer that God will not release a transforming power of his spirit to a conforming church. And so the Bible tells us in Romans 12 to be not conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Conformity is required by this world. Amen? And we have so many people that say, I'm an individualist, I'm doing my own thing. But look at the clothes everybody wears. They're wearing the same brand, the same styles, because they all want to fit in while they're saying, I'm an individualist. I don't, I don't fit in, but yet we don't feel good if we don't fit in. So it's like a, an oxymoron almost. But I realized as I began to pray that God is telling us that you can either conform to this world or you can have a church that transforms forms this world you mm, I, I, I'll preach and you just go ahead and listen and I hope it makes sense to you but whenever we're talking about the power of God coming down and his spirit moving upon us we have to realize that there is nothing like a move of the presence of God there's nothing like a move of the power of God you can't preach that better than anybody else you can't make it happen by putting together programs you have to literally pray the power of God down on the house of God. Amen? Amen. So God designs and God desires 
to change his church to be a transformational church, not a traditional church, not a church that's stuck where it's been or where it's always had it. I want you to know that whenever I look out here in this church, I'm very grateful for what God has already done. I'm grateful for the lovely facilities. I'm grateful for the beautiful songs the musicians sing. But if you think this is about a keyboard or a drums or the pews, I want you to know it's not. Because when God calls us to go to a next level, we're leaving all this behind. Amen? In fact, we have to be a transformational people. Amen? Because there's going to come a day when the trumpet will sound and the dead in Christ shall rise and we that are alive and remain shall be changed and shall be caught up to meet him in the air. So the Bible requires of us to live a continual change lifestyle. A lifestyle that says I'm grateful for where I am but I am not staying where I am. I want you to know today that I'm grateful that I'm not the man I was five years ago and I'm grateful that I'm not the man I was ten years ago and I'm grateful that I understood a long time ago that our God is a transforming God and whatever I was I don't have to be anymore and whatever I came from it doesn't have a grip on me anymore because I've stepped into a new lineage I've walked into the name of Jesus Christ I've had myself baptized in his name and put his name on my life and now I have the heritage of God Almighty on my life and so I tell you that the transformation of God is going to take place someday when we are caught out of here in a rapture. But God doesn't want us to sit idly by, swinging our legs and waiting for him while sitting comfortably and making this, com this conversation with him daily like, God, whenever you choose to do it, I'll be ready. But really what he wants us to do is be transformational people, be looking for a transformation in our life every day, be looking to get up when you put your feet on the floor some of you are very organized you don't put your feet on the floor you slip them into your slippers because they're right by your bed when you get up every morning and you look down you have to say this thing in your heart and in your mind today God whatever you want to do transform my life use me in ways I don't even understand and when you do that you make yourself a living sacrifice you make yourself a sacrifice that is capable for God to anoint you make yourself a suitable sacrifice for God to say that is bold that is good that is great and it's not only great but it's acceptable and it is something I can put my will on amen as a pastor I have people that come to me and they say hey, pastor I want to be used of God I want to do something for God and then I give them something to do and they they do it maybe half-heartedly or maybe they don't even do it at all and then they come back to me and they're like God pastor I want to do something for God I and I give them the same task again they're like well you gave me that last time I'm like, well, God, God moves in mysterious ways, sister, brother. <laughs> God wants you to help. And, and so I have a friend of mine that his last name is Crosley. I won't say his first name. But he, whenever pastor would say, you know, I need this built. He, he was in his truck headed to the hardware store before pastor finished the sentence of what he wanted to have built. He was a man who was constantly willing. And I watched God use his life to do amazing things because he had a willing, he had a willing spirit. If you want God's will for your life, the Bible says in, in, in the scripture that, that if you have a, a life that has the foundation of a living sacrifice, and you're living holy unto God, and you're living acceptable unto God, that it's, and that you're, you're, you're giving service to God, 
that those are the foundational things and then when you, when you don't conform to this world, but you let your mind be con- transformed, that, that God will actually give you what's good and acceptable and the perfect will of God. He'll give you all those things. And so I, I want God to give me his will because I am willing. Amen? I want God to give me his will. And so whenever I began to look at this today, I was like, God, what do you want me to say to, to your people? And he said, tell them that I transformed their hearts so that I can then continue to transform their minds. And in transforming their minds, I will transform their life. And by transforming their life, we have a transformative church. Amen? And so I realized that there's a transition that takes place. He says, I'm going to transform my church by transforming their hearts, by transforming their minds, and then transforming their lives to give a testimony to those that are unsaved. And it works within that order. First, he moves on his church. Amen. He pours out his spirit in the Acts 2 on the day of Pentecost. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, the power of God was poured out and he changed his church. Amen. By changing the hearts of men and women. I know that God fills us with the Holy Ghost and when he changes that part of us, it is powerful. The heart of man is something that has got to be changed by God. Amen? Ezekiel 36 and 26. Here's some scripture for you. A new heart also will I give you and a new spirit will I put within you. I will take away the stony heart and I will put in a heart of flesh. In other words, he said, I'm going to take out what you were and I'm going to put in something new by the power of my spirit and I will give you a heart of flesh. Psalms 51.10, David said, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Have you ever called out to God for a clean heart? Have you ever asked God to help you in some area that you needed help in? And God answers those prayers. He said that in Jeremiah 17, 9, I know there's a lot of people that say just, just follow your heart. Just, just follow your heart and you'll do good. But this is what Jeremiah 17, 9 says. It says, the heart is deceitfully wicked above all things. The heart is deceitfully wicked above all things. No, the heart is deceitful above all things and dis- sorry, desperately wicked. Who can know it? It's kind of bad whenever you write your own notes and you can't read them. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? So you don't want to follow your heart. What I found out was my heart will lead me astray. God, my heart will lead me away from God because the problem with a sacrifice that's living is we like to get off the altar. That's the problem with living, being living sacrifices. We like to get off the altar. So whenever I began to pray over this message, I started thinking about what we've been in this last couple of days. We've been in a revival. It's midwinter conference or midwinter camp meeting, they call it. And they had a speaker by the name of Art Wilson. And Art Wilson is actually the... He's got this long title, the United Nations Peacekeeper or something, some super long title, but um, basically he breaks it down to, I'm the pastor of the United Nations. And so every, every day or every week they have a Bible study on the 27th floor of the United Nations building in Washington, D.C. And if you aren't there, you need, to, you need to figure out that man's story. You need to go listen to his story on YouTube and, and see what God has been doing. But God has been doing powerful things through his ministry. And so we, were all, we all had our faith built Thursday night and Friday night. Many of us were able to make it. If you weren't there, you missed sizzling, hot preaching and faith building preaching. And I want you to know 
you need to get the CDs. You need to watch it because this is your pastor speaking. And I'm telling you, you need to see it because it was awesome. It was powerful. He gave testimonies of, of world delegates and world leaders that are coming to this Bible study. And God's filling them with the Holy Ghost. And God is changing their life. And they're getting baptized in the name of Jesus. And God is doing miracles. In fact, he told one story that I'm trying to get to right now. And I, I wanted to share it with you because he tells of, tells of a story of a delegate that was um, suffering with cancer. God had actually healed her miraculously. And she went back and she told either, it was, I believe it's her, her husband and her husband was an immigrant he was he was over a Muslim nation and so basically the story goes you can listen to yourself I'm trying to paraphrase but the story goes that this this king or this this emperor called for brother Art Wilson to come and to meet with him and he said okay I'll, I'll come and meet with you and he sits down in this emperor this this eminence whoever it, it was he could not give out names for safety reasons because in their country if he shared with us and it got back to their country and they knew that they were either converted or filled with the Holy Ghost and baptized in Jesus name it was a death sentence for them so what they did was they went and they met him and his wife went and met with this this king and they they walk in they sit down and he asks how is your wife doing art wilson asks how is your wife doing the one who had had the miracle and his and the king said she's good she's well and and let's and he's like let's eat and so they begin to eat and he asked art wilson the question um and maybe you can remember it better than i can but he asked art wilson the question he said i've asked many popes and i've asked many leaders the same question several times he goes and I can never get an answer he said when I asked the question how do you expect us to serve a God who condemns us he said how do you expect us to live for a God who condemns us because we are the descendants of the Ishmaelites we're the descendants of those that were not the promised child how do you expect us to live and serve and read from a Bible where we're already condemned as people. And of course, Art Wilson said he was sitting there going, Jesus, 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 because he was very nervous because this man had asked popes and religious leaders and, they, and he said, none of them had an answer for me. And he goes, well, that's very simple. He goes, he goes the name Ishmael means that you, that, um, let me find it in my notes. The name Ishmael means to hear from God or God will hear and so whenever you write your notes you need to write them better than I did this week actually what happened was I wrote my sermon out and I lost it <laughs> I apologize so that I'm having struggles reading my own notes this morning so I'm just going to preach and we'll get to that but anyways Ishmael means God shall hear God shall hear or God will hear is what it means I just found it God will hear so what he told him was there may be what you think of as a curse on the past but he said whenever you turn your heart over to God and you begin to seek God God will hear you where you are right then and God will answer and God will give you salvation amen and he said that's actually he said he slapped the table he goes that's my answer 
He goes, no one has ever answered the question. It's always been, well, your descendants were cursed. And yes, you have to deal with that. But he said, this is the first time someone gave me hope and light. And he actually said, my people need to hear this. You need to fly with me and come and address the Arab council and tell them that they need Jesus Christ in their life. He's like, he's like okay, will I make it back alive? That's all I need to know. And so he, he set up to go and to teach and to talk with all of these Arab emirates. These are people that are over nations. And I want to tell you that God is doing a massive revival among races and cultures where Jesus was normally not welcome, but now the message of Jesus Christ is beginning to transform hearts and minds where people thought you couldn't take this message. They don't want this message and God is doing something awesome. And God is using this brother Art Wilson so he said and because he brought up the name Ishmael I had to I had to sneak on the platform and I had to talk to him I'm like brother I need to speak with you about Ishmael and he was like um, people are up there getting pictures with him they're like all lined up to get pictures with the UN and the you know the peacekeeper of the United Nations and you know he has more connections than you can imagine. He touches millions of people when he speaks because of his connections with world leaders. And so everybody's getting pictures and so we thought we would just fit into the line. And so we got a picture with him. And I'm like, I turned to him and I said, I didn't come up here for the picture. He's like, well, what'd you come up here for, brother? Because he's very polished. And I'm like, I came up here to talk to you about Ishmael because you brought up Ishmael. And if you look what's interesting is if you look in Genesis you find out that Ishmael was the descendant the mistake between Sarah and Abraham God had promised Sarah and Abraham I've been on this story a little bit so I apologize if I'm hitting it again too soon but God had been God had promised Sarah it's uh, Genesis 37 and 27 if you want to pull it up God had promised Sarah and Abraham a promised child that would be the lineage and it would pass on the generations and he said he would bring a generation of people that were as the sands of the sea and the stars of the sky. And Sarah and Abraham couldn't have babies. They couldn't have children. There was no way it was going to happen. I talked about this a little bit maybe last week. And so there was a promise that was set in place. And, and it was 10 years out. And Sarah said, before God changed her name, well, it's not working. My womb won't open. So why don't you go in to my handmaiden? She had an Egyptian handmaiden by the name of Hagar. And this was common in their culture, so don't worry about it. But he, she goes in and Abraham's like, okay, I guess I'll take one for the the team and so he goes in and he has a child with Hagar and the, and the baby's name is Ishmael well Sarah gets upset because God opens Hagar's womb and has a child because in those days having a baby was the greatest thing a wife could do for her husband there was a subservient culture and thank God we don't have that culture anymore we're more wise but in those days there was nothing greater or higher of us than to give your husband a successor amen so what happened was he gave she gave Abraham a successor but it wasn't God's plan it wasn't the way that God said God said I'm going to give you a child through Sarah even though Sarah was unable to have a baby and so they they 
things happen and Sarah gets upset with Hagar and it turns into a drama uh, from your mama and they end up they end up sending Hagar away and all of these different things happen where God tells Hagar that God God's going to bless your child if you go back to and submit to Sarah and anyways they end up falling all, all this stuff happens and I tell you the story because it all of it falls apart and everyone's frustrated and, and everything's happening and and this is a great mistake on the on behalf of Aaron, Abraham and, and, and Sarah and, and they're living with this mistake and it's causing all kinds of grief and heartache and even in, in places where you look up Ishmael in other cultures it's barely, barely mentioned even Hagar is only alluded to in the Quran so we know that there's all kinds of um, negative thinking about what happened there but I want you to know that God can even transform the mistakes we made amen God can take the things that we make and that seem like dead issues and dead problems and, and difficult things and he can transform them and he can use them. And while Art Wilson was preaching, he began to talk about a shift in the Holy Ghost. And I believe that God is shifting some things. He can shift our problems. He can shift the things that we have done that are good, but he can take it all and work it together for good. Amen. Romans eight twenty eight. For him, for those that love God and are called according to his purpose, I believe that God can change even the worst mistake. So we see in Genesis 37, 27, if you throw it up there, we wonder, what did God do with Ishmael? Well, the funny thing is, is that God uses even their mistake. Do you have that real quick? Genesis 37, 27. I'll go look it up if I have to. I got my King James family size Bible that throws your back out if you pick it up and turn wrong. Here it is. Come, let's see the Ishmaelites. Look, what happened, what's happening here is Abraham has, had, has passed on to Isaac, Isaac to Jacob, and Jacob has had a, a son named Joseph, and Joseph is now being sold by his brothers to, into Israel. Joseph has a dream that he saves in, the people of God in a famine, and so what happens here is God is using the Ishmaelites. These are, these are the descendants of of the dilemma of Sarah and Abraham. So what God does is he uses the people that, God, that no one said would get used that seemed to be the, the son of a curse, the son of a mistake. God not only uses Isaac to bring his promise to pass for Sarah and Abraham, but God uses the descendants. Have you ever had a problem that had children? <laughs> have you ever had a pro an issue that had other issues? Some people have so many issues they have a subscription. Amen. It's it's that bad, you know. And have you ever had an issue that got so bad that it started having kids, and now you're like three or four generations into the problem, and you're it's just getting worse and worse. This is what was going on. These were the Ishmaelites. They were going to Egypt. That makes sense because Hagar was an Egyptian maiden, so they're headed to Egypt to sell myrrh and different spices, and all of a sudden the brothers decide we don't like your dreams Joseph we don't like your coat of many colors we don't like our father's favoritism towards you so we're going to kill you and there's one that stands up the oldest Reuben he says let's not kill him let's sell him and let's sell him to this band of Egyptians that's coming by but what they didn't know was they weren't just deciding for themselves God was turning and transforming their hearts and changing things so that whenever God does a work he does it perfect amen and so the lineage of 
Jesus Christ would have been broken had Joseph stayed in a pit or been killed in Israel. But because God was willing to use even the mistakes of his brothers, even the mistakes of Abraham and Isaac, when we have now the propagation of the problem, we see here that there are the descendants of Ishmael that took God's promise to Israel, to Egypt, to save Israel. Jesus will use anything in your life if you surrender it to him. He'll take anything and he'll transform it into something beautiful. I don't know if I'm making good enough sense about how powerful that verse is right there, but I want you to know that there just happened to be a band of people going by. There just happened to be some, is, some Ishmaelites happening on by whenever they decided to pull Joseph out of that pit all bloody and sell him into Egypt. And he ended up being the second to Pharaoh in Egypt and saving the nation from famine. And when his father ran out of corn in the crib, he said, let's go to Egypt because I heard they have food there. And when they got to Egypt all of the brothers walked in that sold out Joseph that sold him out to the Ishmaelites and said and he walked in and here is Joseph now sitting on the throne managing very well the famine in the land because he saved up and stored up and there they walk in and with their father and all of them they end up coming as the story progresses and they're standing in front of the one they sold out because God transforms everything if you let him. I think it's a beautiful story. Have you ever seen that? I don't know if you've ever seen that, but I shared it with our life group the other day and we kind of had a glory moment because some of us have given up on some things in our life that we mistake that we had mistakes in. Some of us have done things that we don't even talk about anymore. And for me, I'm so grateful to pre- forget who I am. I'm, I'm just a man in a suit, but and I'm a pastor. Yes, that's true. But I don't even recognize the 18-year-old that I was and the 20-year-old that I was. I don't, I don't know if that makes any sense to you, but I want you to know that if you surrender your life to God enough, he'll take the abuse, he'll take the hurts, and he'll take the places where you were stuck, and he'll make them into places where his salvation shows up and his glory shows up. And you'll turn to people and say, I know I went through some stuff. I know I had some problems. I'm not the same man I was. I I don't think the way I used to think. I don't talk the way I used to talk. I don't even walk the way I used to walk. I was out in Breckenridge, Colorado a couple weeks ago. I know I'm jumping stories because that's what I do. I jump through stories because my brain does that. I'm a little ADD. If you're not ADD, I apologize. I'm not as linear for you as you'd like for me to be. But I promise you this, the Lord is speaking to my heart right now because I feel the Holy Ghost right now. I was in Breckenridge, Colorado, not because I'm bragging, but because my, my work travel takes me there. And I packed my snowboard and I backed all my gear and I went to, I went to skiing and snowboarding and having a good time. Well, when we got done, the lady that I, when I checked my helmet back in, she goes, oh, you don't know about this. There is a great festival going on right in town. You can just leave your car parked. You can walk right into town. It's our beer festival. It, everybody's getting drunk and having an amazing time. They're having an awesome time. And it's called the Festival to Ural. URL. It's the Greek god of snow. And so we all wear, and literally, they had hats on with horns coming off of it. It's the Viking god of snow. And everybody's got horns, and they've got, you know, drinking hats, and they've got metal helmets with, like, horns coming off them. And the next day when I was in the airport, there's people walking through with their Viking helmet on because they're so proud of being able to be at the Festival of Ural. And all of a sudden, I'm getting in my car, 
And I never once even thought that I wanted to go get drunk or I wanted to go have a good time or I wanted to go do all the things they call the good time. You know what my spirit said? I need to get out of town as soon as possible. There's going to be crazy people in their cars. There was no desire. Now, if I was 18 or 19, I might have walked into town to see what's going on because I'm not the same man I was then. But whenever I took my snowboard off and I turned in my helmet and they said, you've got to go. It's the greatest party ever. I'm walking to my car and it starts to snow and I hear decibels erupt in town. They're going crazy because they've danced to the God of Earl and it started snowing. I'm like, Earl doesn't make it snow. Clouds make it snow. Water evaporating and falling as rain turned to snow because it's cold enough makes it snow. God can make it snow, I suppose, but I'm just like, I can hear them going crazy. And so I'm trying to pull out of the parking lot. There's a ton of snow, and here comes this Viking boat full of people, and they got Bose stereo systems. They're like, and there's all these ladies and guys and they're all dancing and some of them aren't wearing enough clothes and I'm like Jesus 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 and I'm moving this fast and they park the boat right next to me and my flesh says keep looking and my spirit says when can I get the turn and I'm trying to get out of this place because I have no desire to be where there's drunkenness where there's whoremongering where there's all kinds of things that are going on I have no desire to be there if you talk to me 20, 30, 40 years ago maybe 40 years ago I wasn't born then but if you talk to me back in the day maybe I'd be like I want to watch these people be stupid you know I want to watch these people be crazy because it's entertaining but at this moment my heart was so transformed and my mind has been so transformed by God that there's no drink that I want to go after there's no there's no anything in this there's nothing in this world that I desire more than having the peace of God and the transforming power of God on my life and I tell you that not because I'm so good but I tell you because I desire to stay away from the things that can kill my heart and kill my peace and kill my joy and I run after the things that give life everlasting and joy and peace and it's in Christ Jesus alone. Be not drunk with wine. Wherein is excess? I have scriptures popping in my brain as there's um, Red Bull ladies dancing on the float. And I'm like, Lord, help us. (laughs) I've got to get out of here. And I enjoyed myself and I walked away with the Holy Ghost And I walked away saved and I didn't have to do all the things they said were fun to have fun. I don't understand this world at all. They end up hugging a toilet, calling it God because they drink themselves into a, into some sort of crazy, um, crazy drunken stupor. And I can't, thank you. I wasn't looking for the word, but, and, and, they call that fun. I can't call that fun anymore. I don't even do it. I can't call it fun. But also, I find out that this whole city is organized around this one event. And they're spending hundreds of thousands of dollars for this one event to celebrate snow falling. And there's something greater and more transforming than snow falling on the ground. 
oh, it's beautiful, it's lovely, it's amazing. But there's nothing more beautiful than someone lifting their hands and being filled with the Holy Ghost. It changes your life. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying whenever God can touch you by the power of his spirit and he can move on you. But my heart is taking control by the renewing of my mind. It says in, in the scripture, be not conformed to this world. What makes you not want to conform anymore to what everybody says is fun but destructive is the fact that you've been filled with God's spirit and it's renewing your mind. It's making you think differently and, and want different things and I don't desire the things I desired before. And the funny thing is in all of this, as I'm trying to close, I find that when my heart wants something, it's because God's telling me to go after it. I'm having a, a conversation with God on a regular basis all day long. And his spirit moves in. And I was over here praying last night and I'm pounding this speaker because I'm, I'm excitable. I get excited. And, um, and I was praying, God, help us. Have you ever prayed, God, help me with something? Have you ever had something that you just couldn't fix and you knew if God didn't touch it, it wasn't going to be changed. It wasn't going to be transformed. And he said, so, and I know that whenever we're preaching and teaching that there's truth that has to go forward. And we have to repent of our sins because sin is real. It's not issues, it's sin that we need to lay down. And so God says, repent of your sins and, and be baptized, all of those things. And you will be filled with the Holy Ghost. You can't be filled with God's presence if you don't want it. I can't make you want it. I can't make you desire it. You have to want it for yourself. If you're like, oh, I don't really believe that or I don't want that, then praise God. Thanks for coming and enjoying the worship. We'll see you next week. Maybe we'll be more enticing next week. But whenever you want something from God that's greater than anything else in this world, there's something that transforms your mind and transforms your desire and you begin to want the presence of God. When you just stand and you surrender, and you begin to put your mind on God, not think about the week or not think about the Super Bowl. I don't care what team you're trying to vote for. I don't care if your team wins by 50 points or they lose by 50. If they lose by 50 points, you're probably going to need the Holy Ghost. Because <laughs> you'll be upset. But the, the truth is, there's something greater in this room right now that can happen than any Super Bowl any celebration where they put millions of dollars in. This may be, NFL may call this Super Bowl Sunday, but I call this Transformation Sunday. Every Sunday has to be a Transformation Sunday. And he transforms his church by the outpouring of his spirit. So the first thing you do is, is you repent of your sins and you say, God, I'm sorry. And repentance is two things. Number one, it's emotional and it's mental. It's an understanding that I have godly sorrow for the things that maybe I've done or godly sorrow because I know that I cannot save myself. And it's also a mental assent that not only does repentance require you to be uh, sorry for anything that you've done, but it also requires you to turn. Repentance means a U-turn, to turn away from the lifestyle you've lived before. And I know people are like, well, I, I, have, I don't know if I can be good enough. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about being good enough to get God. I'm talking about getting God so that he can help you be good. It's a completely different approach. 
And so you turn, in your mind, you turn from sin and you turn toward God. Now you're walking toward God where before there were things in your life that were walking away from God. And you feel sorry and you feel anything that offended you, Jesus, I apologize. I, I, I want you to know that I cannot save myself, but I, I recognize I need salvation. And you turn to God. And now there's a lot of churches that stop there. They stop with the confession and they believe, hey, if you've confessed with your mouth and believed in your heart, that, that may be true. But my Bible says that at the last day that we, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. If I stopped at a message of repentance, I leave Jesus on the cross, number one. And number two, if I believe that confession was the only thing that's beautiful about salvation and necessary, then we wouldn't need a baptistry here. We'd just have a summer baptism in a pond. It'd be lovely. We'd just do something outside. We'd have, a, we'd have people that got the Holy Ghost whenever they felt like it. We'd have all of that going on. But I believe there's greater because Jesus said, if every knee will bow, and every tongue will confess and confession of the tongue brings salvation then everyone's going to be saved you see what I'm saying does that make sense to you then all be, I'd have the largest ecumenical pluralism church there ever was if I believe that I'd be like love and happiness it's all sunshine come on everybody all you have to do is confess. But that's really a place of importance in that it's repentance. So can you imagine what it feels like to repent of your sins? Can you imagine how good that feels to confess with your heart and believe with your mouth? I know that, that there's so much teaching in Romans and Corinthians on this. But he was teaching those things to churches that were already saved. They'd already experienced repentance, water baptism in Jesus' name, and then filling of the Holy Ghost. They'd already aligned themselves. Their faith made them obedient to Acts 2 and 38. So what's happening is we're seeing an entire church culture that's repenting of their sins and not taking it to the waters of baptism. And I'm, I'm grieved as a pastor. I'm like, there's so much more beauty in salvation for you. There's so much beauty in the experience for you. There's so much great thing. There's so many more great things that can happen. And so you repent of your sins and you can get the Holy Ghost before you get baptized, but you can't get it if you don't want it. And you don't get it by begging God. You get it by learning how to be a worshiper because worship is warfare, Amen. And people, I've seen people come and they've tried to seek God and they lift their hands, but their head is down because they feel shame and there's no shame in God. I want you to know if you've ever done anything and failed, thank God you did try. There's, there's so much less pain in trying and failing than never trying at all. The one thing, the reason why we do so much here and sometimes we stop doing it because it's not working and we move to something else, there's no, there's no shame in that. The shame would be if we never tried it at all. If, if you've tried before and it hasn't worked for you, if you tried to repent and tried to live for God and it just didn't quite work for you, there's no shame in that. Try again. Try again, and this time get full of God's Spirit and let Him help transform you so that it's not your efforts doing it, but it's the power of God in you helping you to live for God because you can't do it on your own. He didn't even let His disciples do it on their own. He said, go and wait for the promise of the Father. It'll be poured out. And He was talking about the Holy Ghost. So whenever you go to seek God for the Holy Ghost, I don't care where you do it. My mother-in-law got the Holy Ghost in her bedroom sitting on the edge of her bed she just lifted her hands 
and began to pray. And as she began to pray, she realized she couldn't speak in English anymore. She began to speak in a heavenly language. And some people are like, oh, that's, that's weird. If you're praying to Jesus Christ, it's a safe prayer. I'll tell you that right now. God will respond to you praying to him. And she began to pray and God filled her with the Holy Ghost speaking in other tongues. And she had read it in the book of Acts. And she knew nothing. She was a, a wonderful Lutheran. <laughs> she was wonderful. She taught Sunday school with her husband. They were good people. But that moment when she realized that being good doesn't get you into heaven, she realized she needed more from God. And she lifted her hands and she experienced God in such a way that God helped her to then live for him even more and began to transform her life. And when my father-in-law got home, he walked in the door and God spoke to his mind and said, I've met, I've met your wife today in your home. And he, said, and he was like, God just told me, honey, that, that he was here in my home. And you have to understand that that's amazing to him. He was on a board of directors. He was a Sunday school teacher. He helped out. He did all these different things in the church. But he realized that for the first time, truly, God wasn't interested in meeting them at the church. God was interested in meeting them at their home. And he changed their hearts. And a couple, about a week later, he was driving home in his vehicle. And God fell over him. And he just felt tingly. And he felt God's presence. And he began to speak in tongues. And he went home. And he said, God filled me with the Holy Ghost to his wife. God filled me with the, what we read in Acts chapter 2. God did it for me as well. And they rejoiced. And they thought they were the only people on the planet who had experienced the gift of the Holy Ghost. Because they were not taught that in their church. And when, even if they had been taught it and they didn't see it for themselves, they probably would have resisted it because it wasn't what was normal. And he brought it to his pastor and the pastor said, no, that's not of God. That's not of God. And they had to go seek for people that understood the scriptures because they had an experience that people said you're not supposed to have. And so they began to seek and my, my father-in-law remembers it well. There was a truck driver that pulls up and he's talking to him and Acts 2.38 is written on the side of his truck. He's like, he's like, hey, hey, I, I've experienced that. I, you know, he's a good German. He's like, I've experienced that. <laughs> and he's like, you have? He's like, yeah. He goes, well, I'm a Pentecostal. I know a church in the area. Let me take you to it. And he took, it to, it took him to Emmett Caskey's church in Beloit. And from that point on, they just began to be transformed by God. God started it in their heart, then transformed the way they think about him. And then he transformed them by obviously taking them to a transformational church. Amen? And then he transformed their life. And they planted a church in Muskego. The church is still there growing, and God is good. God is good. And if you go to churches in this area and you look at the leadership in that church, almost everyone you point at has been affected by their ministry. He not only transformed them, he transformed other people because of their transformation. Do you want to be a part of that? I invite you to something that's so far beyond what you can do with your life and your planning and your schedule. I invite you to something that not only changes you, but changes everything around you. It's a great invitation. It's a beautiful invitation. You're welcome to it if you want it. 
But you have to just come and repent and you have to open your heart to God and you have to lift your hands and you begin to worship God and you can say things like, hallelujah, let's stand together. You can say things like, hallelujah, I love you, Jesus. I worship you, Lord. And as you begin to worship God, you will find that as God moves upon you, you may find it difficult to speak in English because God touches your tongue and he begins to move on you and he speaks through you. Some people said, oh, well, I've got the Holy Ghost, I'm good. And I asked them, have you ever been so full of the Holy Ghost that he spills out of you? Because when God formed us to be filled, right? There's empty parts in us that seem to need something that only God can fill. And whenever you get full of the Holy Ghost, you speak in other tongues. And God touches you and he gives you, you don't have to try to make it up, you don't have to try to do it yourself. God will do it for you. But when you get so full of the Holy Ghost that it comes out the lip of the vessel, that's when you know you're full of the Holy Ghost. And James tells us that the tongue is the most vile member of the body. So God chooses to touch your tongue as a testimony. It's just water. It'll be okay. As a testimony to the fact that you've been filled with His Spirit because we can't tell when his spirit comes upon us. We can feel him on us, but we don't know that he's come in us and made a place in the, inside of us to live. And the only way we know we've been filled with the spirit is if we get so full that it spills out our tongue in a language that we don't, we don't know. It happened on the book of, in the book of Acts. They spilled out and began to speak in tongues. I've watched it happen so many times. I've watched children speak in beautiful languages. It's amazing what God will do. But all you have to do is be willing. All you have to do is say, God, I'm open to transformation. Would you take me and would you use my life? I invite you to the greatest thing that will ever be an experience in your life. You can't pay for a trip to the Super Bowl and feel this. You can't pay for something someplace else and see something so amazing. I was watching the missus on their vacation. I'm like, oh man, that sun looks good. The sun was probably warm. I was watching Putacana. I was like, that's got to be a great trip. I'd love to fly there. But there's nothing like the experiences that God gives. Amen. Would you bow your heads with me? And I want to invite, I'm going to make an invitation today. And I'm going to ask God to use this moment. Lord, this is your day. And maybe today someone has decided in their heart I want more of God. And maybe they've decided in their mind, I'm welcome to this transformation. I'm open to it. Why wouldn't I be? It's so easy. But I don't want to just have faith in you, God. I want to obey you. I don't want to just believe something. I want to enact it in my life. And so as I make this invitation, I want to open an altar, a place of prayer. And if you'd like the Holy Ghost, I would like for you to come. And I want, I want everyone to come. Let's do this together. And so as we come, we're going to gather down here together. And the moment that we begin to pray, I want you just to become a worshiper. Just become a worshiper. That's all you have to do. There's nothing difficult about this. And if you want, if you feel uncomfortable, that's okay. The Bible says the flesh 
does not understand the things of the Spirit, but the Spirit understands the things of the Spirit. And we're praying to Jesus right now, so there's nothing wrong with us lifting our hands and worshiping Him. Let's do it together. And maybe you've, you're new to this, but just begin to sing, say hallelujah and say thank you, Jesus. And His Spirit can fall upon us in a very real way. We, each one of us, have the possibility of having a transformation experience right now in the name of Jesus. But here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray a prayer of repentance. And we're going to ask God to touch us and cleanse us. So would you pray with me? Say these words with me. Lord, let's do it all together, everybody together. Lord, please forgive my sin. Please wash me in the blood of Jesus Christ. Cleanse me, I pray. Make me new. Fill me with the Holy Ghost, I pray. And let me walk in newness of life. And let me be transformed by you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now let's thank the Lord for his forgiving power. Let's just do that together. Let's put in our mind thankfulness. Push every other thought out and just put your mind on Jesus and worship him. Just put your mind on Jesus and worship him right now. And just thank him for the power of forgiveness. That you've forgiven my sins, God. I've repented and I feel your presence here, Jesus. Thank you for your kindness to me. Thank you for your goodness to me. Thank you for your power to forgive. In Jesus' name.